But today what I want to talk about is prayer. And I want to talk about how on the day of Pentecost and those 10 days leading up to the the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus had told his disciples to wait, to wait in Jerusalem, just to stay together, to wait on that gift. And how then they go together, they lock themselves in a room for 10 days and they begin to pray and pray and pray until something happened on that day. Now I asked you at the start of the service this morning, do we still believe in the Holy Spirit? Do we still believe that the Holy Spirit is living and active within our lives? Do we, do we trust that the Holy Spirit is living and active in our life? Maybe, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, maybe some of us sitting here today have never experienced an, an infilling to oh, an, an overwhelming capacity, an infilling of the Holy Spirit that gives us that joy, that peace in our life. But let me ask this question. On the day of Pentecost, we, you can keep reading. I'd encourage you, if you've never read Acts 2 and the, the day of Pentecost, I'd encourage you to read that this next week. But let me ask this, because on the day of Pentecost, it, it concluded with 3,000 or more, more than 3,000 rather, coming together and being baptized in Jesus' name. Do we believe that the Holy Spirit can still move today as he did 2,000 plus years ago? We do. So what stops then the Holy Spirit from moving as he did on the day of Pentecost? Because God hasn't changed. What has changed is us. Let me tell you a, a story. 1904. Wales, England, a young man named Evan Roberts. He was filled with this this, uh, overwhelming uh, uh, movement. He knew beyond any doubt that God was going to send revival throughout Wales. And so he began to go to revival meetings. As many as he could go to, he began to pray at these revival meetings. And one, he, he found himself at the conclusion of a service. He was on his knees at the altar, just weeping before the Lord. And he cries out to the Lord this prayer, Bend me, O Lord. Bend me, O Lord. A prayer of submission, a prayer of humility. Bend me, O Lord. And then he returns to his home church. And he tells his pastor that God wants to use him. He wants to speak through him. Evan Roberts says, God wants to speak through me to our church. And he wants to begin revival right here that's going to spread throughout the nation and into America. Now, Evan Roberts is a young man, early 20s. His pastor's reluctant to let him speak. Finally, he agrees and he says, okay, after our prayer meeting, anyone who wants to stick around and listen to Evan Roberts preach, you're welcome to do so. Most of the congregation left. 17 people stayed that evening. And Evan Roberts delivers A four-point message. I listed those in your bulletin this morning. His four-point message. Confess all known sin to God. Deal with and get rid of any doubtful area of your life. 
Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly and confess Christ publicly. Evan Roberts uses this message, this four-part message. He speaks until 2 a.m. And all 17 people, unbelievably, all 17 people stuck around until 2 a.m. But at 2 o'clock in the morning, all 17 of them were at, their, at the altar, on their knees, crying out to the Lord a prayer of submission and humility. Within a month... Revival had, had broken out among these 17 individuals and 60 people, I'm sorry, within a week, not a month, within a week, 60 people had come to know Jesus as their Savior. 60 people. Within the next year, throughout Wales, more than a million people, you heard that right, more than a million people were saved and came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It began with one person, Evan Roberts, praying a prayer, Bend me, O Lord. Seventeen people stuck around, and they began to cry out to the Lord. Sixty people were saved. They began to cry out to the Lord. And within a year, a million people were saved. And it changed the culture in Wales. A rage of, of bankruptcies took place throughout the area because liquor stores and bars started going out of business, lack of business. Work at the, the coal mines, I love this. Work at the coal mines, some of you might appreciate this. Work at the coal mines almost ceased, stopped completely because the, the mules that pulled the, the carts and the wagons they were so used to the, the foul language that was coming out of the men's mouth that after these men were saved, they, they changed their language, they changed their commands, their, their voices almost changed, and so they didn't recognize what they were being told to do. I love that. The entire police force was sent home for 18 months. Because of lack of crime. One of the, the few trials that was brought before a judge was, was very, very strange. The, um, the gentleman came in. He admitted his guilt. He confessed it before the judge and before the jury. He apologized for what he had done that was wrong. The judge led him to Christ. And then the jury stood and sung a hymn. Powerful, powerful stuff. You see, and then the revival, it, it came across the Atlantic Ocean into parts of New York and New Jersey, so, and, and, and people began to be saved. So much so that the New York Times, now picture this happening in our culture today. The New York Times started to run a daily column called Today's Converts, in which they listed the names of those that had been saved the day before. see, but our world, our culture, is nothing like what it was back in 1904, is it? Some of these things that, that I just mentioned, we can't even comprehend this happening in our world today. And yet, I come back to this thought, what about God has changed since 1904? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What part of the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has diminished between then and now? What part of the, the work of the Holy Spirit has ceased to exist? God is still moving. 
And God still wants to, to breathe down revival upon his church. And yet we're just not seeing it. We're just not seeing it. See, I believe that the church has fallen into some desperate times. Because we are desperate for a movement of the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine if Jesus' disciples, the, the church, had watched him ascend into heaven. And then on, on that day they said, well, Jesus said, wait, so I guess we'll wait. But think we should pray? No, it's, you know, I've, got, I've got this, you know, my... my spouse there at home i've got to go do this i've got to go do this what if the holy spirit had never come the church would not be the church and yet today we and i i include us all we the entire church we allow ourselves to be so busy that we're too busy to call on the holy spirit but see, God has not changed. The Holy Spirit has not changed. The work and the power of the Holy Spirit has not changed. And yet, we're not seeing revival. See, here's what I want to say. And, and that is, if, if God can bring revival in 1904, He can bring revival in 2017. If God's Spirit can move in, in Wales, He can move in Washington. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles 7.14, if you would. Some of you might be familiar with this passage. Just one verse for us this morning. 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Now, of course, if, if we look at the, the context of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we, we can really dig into this, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that today. I just want to look at the surface of this and say, even taking this verse out of context, which is, I will admit, completely what I'm doing today, Taking this verse out of context, if God's people who are called by his name, that is all of us who have submitted to Jesus Christ and bear his name, if we would just humble ourselves, if we would just pray, if we would just seek his face, if we would just turn from our wicked ways, our sinfulness, our wrongs against God the Father, then he will hear us and he will send revival upon our church, and upon our city, and upon our country, and it will spread. Do you believe that? See, I'm making some bold declarations up here, friends. So let's just unpack this a little bit. It says, if my people who are called by my name. Let me say this. The work of revival always begins with God's people. The work of revival always begins with those who bear the name of Jesus, but it's never meant to stop there. If my people who are called by my name. See, we as Christians, we bear a new name, and we're meant to stand out. We're meant to be different. And we're meant to cause things to happen that are in accordance with God's Holy Spirit, things that the world cannot even explain. If my people who are called by my name will simply humble themselves. That is submitting to Jesus 
Christ. See, the word humble means to be in submission. To live in a state of, of surrender before God the Father. When we humble ourselves, we are literally saying, God, you are in complete control of my life. I cannot control what happens today. I cannot happen control what happens tomorrow. God, you are in complete control of this. I'm humbling myself. I am submitting to you. Whatever your will is, God, I'm going to be okay with that. Because I know you've brought me this far, and I know you have a greater purpose that is beyond anything that I could plan out, anything that I could do on my own. So God, I am in your hands. The word humble means to be in submission. It literally means to be brought low. Remember the simple prayer of, of Evan Roberts. Bend me, O Lord. Bend me, O Lord. See, when we humble ourselves before God, we are allowing him to, to bend us to his will. That's what it means to be in submission. That's what it means to be humble. If my people who are called by my name will simply humble themselves and pray. I shared this... Um, with a couple of people in the, in the uh, connection this morning, I said, uh, a friend of mine mentioned that 80% of evangelical pastors would admit that they don't pray daily. I wonder what would happen if we did a poll of the church. Should we do that? How many of us pray daily before the Lord? Submit ourselves and just call out to God, God, I need you, right? See, because when we pray, we are bringing our lives to intersect with God. And in the moment that we meet God, something amazing happens. I've shared this quote before. Pastor Jim Simbola, the Brooklyn Tabernacle, he said, When God's people pray, things happen. That's an understatement. When God's people pray, things happen. When God's people prayed on the day of Pentecost, things happened. When Evan Roberts prayed, things happened. When the, the church in, in Wales began to pray, things happened. We can look at revivals all throughout history and we can say when God's people prayed, things happened. Why? Because we bring our lives, again, into intersect with God and we, and, and we see that something amazing happens when he pours himself into our lives. This is why prayer is so essential in our lives. This is why, as we begin this series called Reaching Heaven, prayer, revival through prayer, is at the heart of it. It's the foundation of it. We've got to be calling out to the Lord. We are living in desperate times. How many would agree with that? Give me an amen. We are living in desperate times. Sometimes we... We in the church, we say, well, Jesus is coming back soon. I know it. We're living in desperate times. Jesus is coming back. This is true. I believe that wholeheartedly. But then the follow-up question is, great, what are we doing about it? If Jesus is going to come back tomorrow, then we've got some work to do, friends. Amen? Prayer is the foundation. See, if we can't even pray, if we can't even go before the Lord and say, God, we need your help. God, I'm submitting to you because I can't do this on my own. What, what are we going to do with the, the really hard tasks? See, prayer is simply standing before God and saying, saying God, I, I'm in a relationship with you. I need you. 
I've often thought, what would happen with, in, in my marriage if I stopped talking to my wife? For a week, just a week, what would happen? She'd be pretty upset, wouldn't she? Prayer is the foundation of that growing relationship with God. Without prayer, that relationship will not grow. Amen? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, deeply desire, seek my face. It's a Hebrew phrase there. It means to deeply desire God. To seek something from God means that we must have that deep desire to see something happen and then actively pursue it. It's not enough just to have that desire. We've got to work toward it. We've got to do something about it. One of the major reasons the, the church in America never sees a, a, a strong movement of God's Holy Spirit anymore is because we don't want it bad enough. We're content. We're content in our life. We're content in our churches. We're content in our comfort. We just don't want it badly enough. In 1904, those people in Evan Roberts' home church, they stayed until 2 o'clock in the morning praying. If the church today doesn't see a movement of God, it's because we have stopped seeking God. He says to, to Jeremiah, the, the prophet Jeremiah, God said, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. How many of us today are seeking God with all our heart? How many of us today are seeking God with a portion of our heart? Ouch. We will only truly find God, his reviving power, when we really and truly desire what only he can give us, and then we pursue it. We do something about it. We don't stop until we achieve it. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, See, this was the first part, the first point, rather, of, of Evan Roberts' entire sermon that evening. Revival will never happen in our lives until we first confess our sin. Until we first confess our sin and we let go of our sin. We say, never again will I return to that. That's in my past. I'm done with it. See, and I think Holy Communion... It's not just a, a reminder of what Jesus has, has done for us. For many of us, it is a fresh start. And whatever the past held, whatever sin existed before, before we came before God, we can stand before him now and we can say, I am righteous if we have confessed our sins. He is faithful and he will forgive us. Amen? Even... As we confess, we realize that we have done wrong. Confess, confession renews our relationship with God. And confession asks God's assistance. God help me, because I cannot do this on my own. This world is too powerful for me. But God, you are greater than this world. You have defeated this world, Jesus 
Satan has nothing on me. These temptations have nothing on me when I am filled with your spirit. But I am only filled with your, your spirit when I am humble, when I am submissive, and when I call out to you, God. What is it that made the Welsh revival so powerful and so successful? See, it had nothing to do with Evan Roberts' ability to deliver a powerful sermon. It has nothing to do with me being able to deliver a powerful sermon. Our bishop, um, David Roller, he recently said, and we were, we were up in Michigan, and uh, he recently said, let's face it, guys, most of you and ladies, most of you are not good preachers. Let's just face the facts. He said, but God's still using you to build his church. See, and revival has nothing to do with the ability to deliver a good sermon. Revival has nothing to do with the ability to, to say a polished prayer. Revival has everything to do with our submissiveness to God. Calling out to him, we need you. Evan Roberts prayed that simple prayer. Bend me, O Lord. And this prayer was the product of a, a deep and desperate call for more of God. More of only what he can do. See, he was in submission to the complete purpose and plan of God. Now this morning... I believe that God is about to do something very, very big. Do you believe that? I believe that God is about to do something very, very big. And I'd like to say God is about to do something very, very big among us all. But first we must humble ourselves. Seek his face. And turn from our wicked ways. His word tells us, I will hear you. He tells us that I will forgive you. He says that I will lead you into new, new movements of the Holy Spirit when you seek, when you're desperate. Let me ask this morning, are we desperate? Are we desperate for God's Holy Spirit? My prayer throughout these next few weeks is that we'll, we, we will increase in our desperation for the Holy Spirit. Father God, I, I pray I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what none of us can right now. I pray, Lord, for power not earthly power, but supernatural, overflowing power, the almighty God. I pray, God, for a hunger and a thirst for you, God. Fill me. Let us all, Lord, those of us who would humble ourselves, let us call out to you, God. Fill us. Give us a hunger and a thirst for more of you, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would fill your church, Lord, 
with a hunger and a thirst for more of your Holy Spirit that we cannot get enough. Increase, Lord, our capacity to pray. And just as Evan Roberts prayed, Lord, bend me, O Lord. In Jesus, we thank you. Amen. As our worship team comes, let me give you this challenge this morning. Let me give you this challenge for the next week. Those of you who would choose to, to accept, let us pray daily that prayer. That simple prayer, bend me, O Lord. Let us pray that prayer daily and watch what God does in your life. Let us pray that, that simple prayer daily and watch what God does in our church. Bend me, O Lord. We are submissive to you, God. 